Well, today I'm going to do my final uh, message this month. We've done uh, some of our creative messages this month. And today you probably figure out it's got something to do with, uh, with basketball. And so I'm going to do a message today entitled Rebound. Rebound. Uh, everybody has needed a chance to rebound in their life. And I'm thankful. Anybody here that's less than perfect? I hope everybody raised their hand. How many are thankful that we serve a perfect God and that His grace works in the life of imperfect people? Amen. Well, while we're getting ready, I want you to turn to Philippians 3. I want to remind you that this Wednesday uh, will be a unique Wednesday night. We're going to allow our Christmas Now and Then crew to get ready, and uh, they're going to be doing a walkthrough. A Wednesday night would be our normal uh, time together. I'm going to ask you to please come. If you would, we're going to have some special prayer time while that's going on, and uh, we're going to be praying over this auditorium, praying over every detail. That'll be incredibly important. That'll be our final prayer session before the production kicks off. As you know, it begins this weekend on Friday night, Saturday. Uh, is uh, at noon is our Jesus and his friends outreach that we work on all year look forward to we will have an orientation for all of our Jesus and his friends teams Saturday morning right here at 10 a.m. all right for all of you that have signed up to be a part of one of the teams for Jesus and his friends orientation is 10 a.m. Saturday morning if you've not had an opportunity to sign up you can still come at 10 a.m. we'll place you on the appropriate team so Please remember those two things. Wednesday night, a little different schedule. We're giving our Chris, our production team one more opportunity, really kind of a dress rehearsal. And I would love for you to come and join me in prayer uh, over those details on Wednesday night from 6.30 to 7.30 for prayer. And then the production uh, rehearsal will be going on at the same time. And then again, remember Jesus and his friends this Saturday as we begin the production this weekend. Uh, door hangers are there. Final door hangers are out in the commons. If you'd like to pick those up and take take them with you. All right, so let's let's look at this this message. Pastor Josh and, and uh, Pastor Adrian, I think I saw any of our pastors want to come join me. Let's look at this thing for a minute. And, uh, you know, I would dunk for you, but I don't want to knock that goal down today. Your laughter hurts me, but I'm going to look over that anyway. And so what's a rebound? Well, we typically think of a rebound in basketball. I haven't let me, uh, you know, I haven't shot some lately. So before they get up here, let me practice and see what I've got. Oh, almost. Let me try one more. I probably don't need many rebounders when I shoot, but uh, we'll see what happens here. Oh, give me one now. I'm getting upset now. This, this is getting serious with me. It's a strange go. You see, I'm overshooting. You notice that, don't you? Hitting the back of the rim. So let me pull up a little bit. Uh, what, this is my last one. Oh, gee. It's a rigged goal I can see here. <laughs> you shoot. <laughs> this must be an Alabama goal. Something about it's not working. Ah, uh, see, it's, it don't hurt anybody on the front row. Oh, there you go, Pastor. All right, here, see what you got. None of us gonna got a shot. Look, look. Oh, it's a mojo. Oh, <laughs> try one more. 
Okay, here's this. Just to try to see this. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm so far behind. I want to watch this. I'm going to go Michael Jordan. Not the dunk. Cover the eyes. Shoot it blind. Here we go. Yes! Okay, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Look like you had some Auburn mojo on that thing. All right, so after all that, let's, let's, let's think for a minute. So what's a rebound? A rebound is basically just what you saw. Uh, when you miss the shot in basketball, it's important for somebody to get the rebound. Today, I want to just share a message of hope for anyone less than perfect. You have to raise your hand. If you've ever failed in life, can you rebound? If you ever made a mistake, can you rebound? Can you get another opportunity? I think so many people have the opinion of God that he's an angry, mean God looking for an opportunity to strike you down at the first time you make a mistake. But that's not the God I read about in Scripture. It's not the God who sent his son to die on the cross in our place so that we can rebound from the lowest moments of our life. You know, there's just a little saying, that, uh, just a, a, something God put in my spirit as I prayed about this message this week, and it's simply, it's simply this, that you can find favor after your worst failure when you turn your heart back to God. There's still favor after failure. God is able to help us rebound. Sometimes we need to rebound most of the time from our own mistakes and the own situations that we face in our life, but there are going to be those times when we have to rebound from the failures of other people around us. Something they've done, something they've heard us, something has really brought pain and, and, and trouble to our life. And, you know, you've got to realize with a rebound, it means that de- basically the definition of a rebound is that you are bouncing back from a hard surface. You had an incline. You had a crash. You had an impact. Something hit you and bounced you back. Can I give you some good news? The fact that you're going to rebound means there's a little bounce still left in your life. Huh? You got a little hope. You're not a bug on the windshield. You didn't splat and stick. You bounce back. Come on, somebody tell somebody next to you, I've got a little bounce left. Tell somebody, there's a little bounce left in my life. See, you're not a bug on the windshield. You've got some bounce left. You have to control the ball. Let me tell you how important a rebound is. In one of the recent Final Four college basketball championships. That's the holy grail of college basketball. You want to make the final four. It's it's, it's the team that scores the most points wins, of course. But here's the hidden figure in successful basketball team. In one of the recent final fours, three of the top four teams in the nation were also in the top ten of rebounds. See, the secret of a rebound is that you miss the shot, but you got a rebound and you get another shot. See, not everybody makes it. You know, Michael Jordan, who some of you younger guys don't understand this. I heard somebody tell me the other day that he's not the greatest of all time, but you just don't know. Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, NBA basketball player. Now, I'm not going to argue with you. Don't talk about Kobe or LeBron. I'm going to tell you it's Michael Jordan. I mean, since I'm preaching, I get to say that. You can, we'll talk about it later. But look at this. Michael Jordan, who I think is the greatest basketball player of all time, his field goal average percentage was .497, a little under 50%, a little under 50%, the greatest basketball player ever. That means that half the time he shot, he missed. 
which also means it created a career for a crazy guy named Dennis Rodman. Anybody ever remember Dennis Rodman? Dennis Rodman was so crazy, he didn't know who he was. But there's one thing Dennis Rodman could do. Dennis Rodman could rebound. Dennis Rodman with his nose pierced, his ears pierced, his head pierced, red hair, green hair, blonde hair. I saw him take a picture in a wedding gown one time. I don't know who Dennis Rodman is. Dennis Rodman doesn't know who Dennis Rodman is. But Dennis Rodman made a living grabbing Michael Jordan's rebounds. There's something about a rebound that lets you reset, that lets you start all over again. There's something critical about that. Let's look in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. There's something about going after it after you fail. Philippians 3.13, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Now, how do I forget what is behind? Because, see, I grabbed my rebound. I determined that although I missed that one, I'm not done yet. Forgetting what is behind and doing what? And straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. For which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm going to rebound. This one thing I do, he said, I'm going to stop worrying about the past. I'm going to let go. I'm going to put that over. I don't have time to chase my past because I'm grabbing what comes next. I'm going to live a rebound. Let's look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9. You're familiar with this, very familiar. But let's read this verse, Galatians 6 and verse 9. Think about it in light. Of a rebound. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I may have missed it. I may have failed. My family may have failed me. Everything that I thought was going to work may have blown up in my face. But the good news is if I keep on trying, if I do not give up, somebody needs to say, I'm going to get up one more time. I'm going to get up one more time. See, you rebound. You get up from your failure. You don't stay there. See, everyone gets knocked down in life, but not everybody gets back up. Everybody gets knocked down in life. Don't say it's not fair. Just get up and face it one more time. Everybody has those failures. Everybody has been suffered or has been impacted by the failures of others. Uh, We're talking about rebounds and getting up and shooting again and another opportunity. But let me illustrate it one other way. Image Smith is the greatest rusher, has rushed for more yards, carried the football for more yards than anyone who ever played in the NFL. He ran the ball, listen to this, in his career, 18,355 yards. 18,355 yards. But here's what I want you to understand. He ran 18,355 yards total. Listen to this. But he got knocked down every four yards. He got tackled every four yards. Do you realize what that means? That means that Emmett Smith got knocked down 4,588 times. He ran 18,000 yards, but he got knocked down 4,000 times. Although he got knocked down 4,588 times, listen to me, because he's the champion rusher of the NFL, he also, that means he got knocked down how many times? 4,588. But that means he got up 4,589. He got up one more time than he got knocked down every four yards for 18,500 yards in his life. See, when I begin to look at the people who had rebound in their life, I begin to realize it's not if you knock me down, it's will I get back up. 
It's not did I have a failure, but will God forgive me? And the answer is yes. I read this morning in my prayer and devotion, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, does anybody here belong to God today? If my people, how many, how many people say I am a Christian in this house today? So he says, if my people who are called by my name, Christian. Let me look one more time. How many Christians in the house? If my people who are called by my name will do four things, God said he'll do three things. He said, if you will, I, I, I missed it, God. I blew it. And, and, you know, my human nature is I don't want to admit it. I want to blame somebody else. I want to say it was your fault. I want to say you messed me up. I want to say I wouldn't have done what I did if you hadn't have done what you did. But he said, if my people will humble themselves. How do I humble myself? And pray. And do what? And not just want what I can do, but seek my face. If my people call by my name will humble themselves and pray. And seek my face. And oh, listen to this. And turn from their wicked ways. You do those four things God said, then this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hear from heaven. I'm going to forgive your sin. And I'm going to heal your land. Do you realize what God says? He said, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God says, I'm going to catch your rebound. I'm going to grab your miss. I'm going to put the ball back in your hands. I'm going to say, I know you blew it. I know you messed up. I know you did wrong. I know it's not going well, but if you'll humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, I'm going to hear you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to give you another opportunity to start this thing all over in your life. You know what? You can find favor after your greatest failure. There was a gentleman, and uh, when Alan Griffin was here, he referred to this, named Horatio Spafford. A wealthy lawyer, a wonderful Christian man living in Chicago with his family in the late 1800s. Many of you have heard about the great Chicago fire that burned almost the entire city down in that day. Mr. Spafford and his family spent weeks following that, feeding the hungry, working with that hurt and and bruised city. And after weeks of extra effort and kindness and generosity, they decided they were going to take a vacation visit some friends that had moved to Europe. So they bought the tickets for Mr. Spafford, his wife Anna, their four daughters, on a ship crossing the Atlantic. It was 1871 when this happened. And so uh, as they were uh, getting ready to go, at the last minute he was called to his business. He couldn't go. So his wife and his daughters set sail across the Atlantic. Somehow, some way, in the middle of that vast ocean, two ships collided. And the ship that his wife and his four daughters were on sank to the bottom of the ocean. His wife was only one of 27 survivors on the entire ship. She had held on to a piece of debris to another ship saved her. But the four daughters drowned. Mr. Spafford received the telegram from his wife. That was the communication then after she arrived in Europe and told him that their daughters had died. He immediately boarded a ship to cross the ocean, the Atlantic, and join his grieving wife. As he was crossing the Atlantic, when he passed over the very spot where his four daughters had drowned, his entire family except his wife had drowned. Mr. Spafford, instead of being bitter, instead of being angry, instead of giving up, instead of becoming the bug on the windshield, 
wrote one of the most famous hymns that's ever been sung in the church. See if you recognize this. When Maybe you want to sing. Like a amazing statement of faith, isn't it? It is well with my soul. It doesn't mean that I'm happy that it happened. It doesn't mean that I haven't hit a force that knocked me down, but it means I'm going to get up one more time. It means that I'm going to keep my faith in God. And not only did he have that kind of heart, but in a few years, his, he and his wife moved to Jerusalem and began one of the first ministries as Christians in that old city. They were there in World War I when the city was starving from war and fed Jews and Arabs alike. They founded one of the first Christian orphanages and clinics in Jerusalem and ministered in the name of Christ and rebounded from a great tragedy. You know, when I think about things like this, I'm reminded of Moses. Moses failed to understand who he was. I want you to listen to me. Maybe there's a passion in you that you don't understand. Maybe there's a dream in you that hasn't happened. Maybe there's a, a purpose that hasn't, you've not been able to achieve. And, and, and Moses tried to do it the wrong way. He had a passion to save the, his people Israel from the Egyptian bondage. But he murdered an Egyptian and spent 40 years in the desert. And then God appeared to him in the burning bush. And he said, Moses, you need to go back listen to me. Sometimes when you failed, you have the same mindset that Moses did. God said, I still called you. I have a plan for you. He said, but God, they're not going to believe me when I go back. 
My failure's too great. I can't ever live my dream. I can't ever fulfill my purpose because I failed. Do you know that your failure will never be greater than what the cross did in your life? Do you know that what you've done wrong will never be greater than what you can do right when you humble yourself, pray, seek the face of God, and turn from that path in your life? He said, God, what if they don't believe me? What if they won't follow me? He said, God, I can't even speak very well. I stutter. I can't talk. Do you know God is not intimidated by our limitations? Do you know that the things you don't have will never rob you from the things you do have before God? Do you know that if we'll stop focusing on what we lost, what we did wrong, how we failed, how we don't measure up and just say, God, here's my life. It's all I've got, but I'll give it to you. And Moses rebounded and led the people of Israel out of bondage. One of the greatest leaders that we've ever known. We have to step over that. And what about Joseph? Joseph was a young man who had a call on his life. His father loved him. His brothers hated him. Maybe you've grown up in a family of dysfunction. Maybe your family weren't, weren't kind to you. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe someone in your family has betrayed you. His own brothers wanted to kill him. And then they decided, we'll not kill him. We'll just sell him as a slave to the Ishmaelites and make some money and send him down to Egypt. And our father will never know. We'll take the beautiful robe our father made for him. We'll shred it and cover it with the blood of an animal and take it home and tell our father, I'm sorry, father, your son Joseph has been killed by a wild animal. That's a pretty dysfunctional family. It's a family that didn't work the way it should work. It's a young man who wasn't loved by the people that should have loved him. Maybe you felt the pain of being in a family where it should have been a safe place. It should have been a holy place. Maybe those that should have loved you didn't love you. Maybe those that made promises to you break their promises. Maybe you've grown up with a sense of rejection. Maybe there's an insecurity in your life that causes your relationships not to work. Maybe you even look at God through the filter of how your family failed you. But I want to tell you something today. There's a great God who created you to be loved and accepted, who has a purpose and a plan for your life. And somewhere along the way, old Joseph just kept rebounding. You know, when, when his brothers sold him into slavery and Potiphar bought him, he just rebounded. He said, I'll just be the best slave that's ever been on the planet. And he rebounded. And he said, I'm going to make everything work for my master. And the Bible says he rebounded and everything his master trusted him with. It prospered and the favor of God was on his life. And then his master's wife tries to seduce him and he resists that temptation. Why? Because he was faithful to his God and she lies and falsely accuses him. Maybe someone's lied about you and accused you. But what did Joseph do? He said, I'm just going to rebound and be faithful to God. And they throw him into prison. And now how worse could it be? Rejected by his family, falsely accused, imprisoned because of a lie. But what does the Bible say that he did in prison? He became such a faithful prisoner that even the warden put everything under his control. He rebounded in the darkest place of his life. And then there in the low place, because he kept rebounding, he said, I'm not a bug on the windshield. I'm not a loser. It's not over. I don't give up. My God's greater. It doesn't matter who sees me. I'm not on a platform, but there's an audience of one in my life. And God found him in that prison and elevated him and made him second in command. And he saved the known world in one of the greatest famines in human history. And the brothers that betrayed him, he saved them too. 
And they thought, oh my God, he's going to kill us. And he says to them in Genesis 50, what you meant for bad. My God turned it around and meant it for good. And I want to tell you something today. If everybody's jumped off your team, there's a God who's going to catch your rebound and say, try it one more time. He's a faithful God. He's the God of the second chance of the rebound. When you blew it or someone else blew it, he's faithful. There's a young lady named Bethany Hamilton who began surfing. She grew up in Hawaii in a surfing family at the eight years of age. When she was 13 years old, 2003, she was surfing early one morning with her best friend and the best friend's father. As she's paddling on her surfboard, she feels a huge tug on her left arm. And a 14-foot-long tiger shark bit her left arm off at the shoulder. Bethany Hamilton. She lost 60% of her blood before they could get her to the hospital. It was in shock, and they worried if they could save her life. But two years later, she won a national title as a 15-year-old surfer. And in 2007, she was back on the pro circuit. And now Bethany Hamilton is married to a youth pastor in Hawaii. She's had a little boy, Tobias, which means God is good. She's expecting their second child. She's an author. The movie Soul Surfer has been seen by thousands of people. She's a speaker. She honors God. Bethany Hamilton just decided, you can take my arm, but you can't take my dream. You can take my arm, but you can't take my call. You can take my arm, but you can't take my hope. You can knock me down, but I'm going to give up. I lost my left arm, but I've still got my right arm. I'm surfing with my feet, and she just keeps going. Why? Something inside of her said, I serve the God of the rebound. He's too good and too great for me to give up. You know, life doesn't always seem to be fair, does it? Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes things happen, there's really no explanation. Why in the world would a young Christian girl at 13 go through such a tragedy? I can tell you that there's not a lot of easy answers for that. But the question, listen to me, that we often fail to ask, most of the time, and it's understandable, we've all asked this question, in a crisis, we always want to ask, why? Why did this happen? And that's a fair question. We're human. It's all right. God's big enough for you to ask, why? But let me tell you, there's a more important question to ask in crisis than why. The most important question is to ask, what? What am I going to do now? How am I going to respond to this? What is going to be my response? I've lost something dear to me. I'm facing something that's not fair. Maybe it happened to you innocently. Maybe it's something you did intentionally yourself. But the important question is not why did it happen, but what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? How? Ask that question. How am I going to respond? What am I going to do in this moment? You see, that's happened. I think about Abraham on his journey to become the father of the faithful. Wouldn't you love to have the legacy of Abraham? Wouldn't you love to have the legacy that you believe God received a miraculous provision? I don't know what takes a lot of faith, but I'm going to tell you when you're 100 and your wife is 90 and you never had a child and you believe she's going to have a child, that's a lot of faith in my book. (laughs) That's a lot of faith in my book. In fact, I don't know if some 90-year-old wives don't want their husbands to have that much faith. 
That's a lot of faith. And it took him 25 years to get there. But along the way, can I tell you something? Abraham made some blunders that he had to rebound from. Early on, there was a famine, and he leaves the place God had assigned him. You know, sometimes, listen to me, when the pressure gets turned up on us, we want to bail out on the purpose of God. I want to tell you something right now. Some of the greatest decisions you'll ever make are to stick through with God. Walk through that thing. Don't run. Don't hide. Don't leave it. Abraham ran away to Egypt, and while he was there, he made one of the biggest mistakes of his life. He told them that his wife was his sister. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's a bad man right there. I don't mean bad like bad. I mean like wrong man. You understand what I'm saying? Lied about his wife to save his own, excuse me, sorry, where you sit down, please. That's what, you know, that, that's what he did. That's not a good marriage. Maybe, maybe, ladies, you've been here today. You're here today. You've been through a situation where your husband didn't protect you. He didn't take care of you. He didn't do what he should have done. And you're impacted by that. Abraham made a bad mistake. And you know what he did? You know how he rebounded? He went right back into the promised land and went to the last place he had built an altar. And he said, God, I'm going to return to the altar. Can I tell you something today? Uh, we're, we're going to do water baptism in a few minutes. People have signed up for today. And, and just in case uh, the Lord has been dealing with some people that need to rebound, I've got some, we, we, we brought some clothes to change in back in the restrooms here. And you might be here today and say, I didn't sign up, but I need to rebound. I'm, I, I'm going to make a public declaration. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to say, you know, today is the time for me to rebound. Abraham said, I'm going to go back to the altar. Yeah, that's a rebound. You know how you change the course of a life that's off track? You don't keep doing it and excusing it. You turn around and go back to an altar and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I blew it. God, I messed up. Can I tell you the power of being obedient to God? Can I tell you the power of going to an altar and saying, God, here's my life. Forgive me. It breaks everything the devil has done against you. It negates everything people have done against you. When you go to an altar and say, here's my life, God. Here's my hurt. Here's my pain. Here's the things that happened to me. And say, God, here's my life. Do you know that the power of repentance and faith and obedience in God can break every chain the devil ever put on your life and reverse every curse he's ever spoken over your life because that's the power of a rebound, of, of hitting a force that knocked you back but grabbing the miss and having another opportunity to go forward. You know, I'm, I'm, I want to uh, wrap up with this, but I think about Peter. Man, Peter was the king of the rebound. We, we make fun of Peter, but, you know, you, you got to admit, he had a pretty exciting life. He was up and down. Hey, to follow Peter spiritually would be like the biggest roller coaster in Disney World. What do you mean? Well, here's Peter. He's a fisherman. And he's just out here, and Jesus comes by and says, I want you to follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And you know what Peter does? Man, he throws that fishing net down, and he goes, man, he's soaring. Woo, he's following Jesus. It's going good. And then they, they come to a point, and, and he says, who do men say that I am? And the disciples tell him all this stuff, and, and Peter says, oh, Lord, I know who you are. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the prophesied and promised one. You're the son of the living God. Woo, he's, man, he's at the top of the roller coaster. And before you read 20 more verses, he pulls Jesus to the side because Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross. He said, no, no, you're not going to go to the cross. You can't die. Woo, 
he's down on the bottom of the roller coaster. Jesus said, Satan, get behind me. I mean, he goes from first chair to last chair in 20 verses. That's Peter. And then they're at the Last Supper, you know, and Jesus said, somebody's going to betray me. And, and, and they say, who, me, who, me, who, me? And Peter said, Peter doesn't go to who, me, who, me. You know, he's not the most humble guy in the world. You understand? He's a roller coaster guy. And they're saying, who, me? And Peter says, I don't care if everybody denies you. I'll die for you, Jesus. He thinks he's climbing up the roller coaster, isn't he? I'm telling you, you follow Peter, you're going to have to take, uh, you know, motion sickness medicine to follow this boy around. And so what happens then is not many verses, 20 more verses. He's, he, his 20-verse fall is pretty dangerous when you read Peter's life in the New Testament. And what happens? What's he do? He's following Jesus at a distance after the arrest. And they say, do you know him? No, I don't know him. Do you know him? I don't know him. And a little slave girl said, I saw you with him. And he cusses her out and says, I don't know him. Then the rooster crows for the third time. And Jesus looks at him and he goes, oh, man, what have I done to myself? We read of him in John chapter 20. What's he done? He's given up on the call of God on his life. He's not an, want to be an apostle. He doesn't want to preach. He gives up. He takes six of the disciples. So half of the leaders of the new church have backslidden with Peter. He's down here, man. And he's fishing. And just like all of us who once have known the Lord and walk off. Are you listening to me? Once those of us who've really known Him and know what grace and forgiveness and the goodness of God is like, and you turn your back on Him, it will never be the same for you again. Jesus said, so how's the fishing, boys? He said, man, we didn't catch anything. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, the life of a backslider is an empty life. What'd you get out there when you left me? Man, there's nothing out here. You know, see, here's what's happened. You've been spoiled. You've been ruined. See, I remember before I met Christ, all these things I was afraid to give up if I became a Christian. Anybody ever been there? Oh, man, if I become a Christian, I can't do this and I can't do that. I mean, look at these Christian people. Surely they can't be having any fun. I'm the guy having fun. I'm the guy out here doing what I want to do. And if I become a Christian, i got to walk off from all that. And then I met Jesus, and you know what I realized? All those things I couldn't give up and didn't want to give up, I've been holding a bag of trash. I'd been eating those old nasty Grandpa sardine cans. You understand what I'm saying? Like your grandpa used to eat. My grandfather opened that up. Man, it would stink. Then he'd put mustard on it. Dear God. And eat that old tin of nasty, stinky sardine. I, I thought I was having filet mignon. I had my nose in a sardine can. Huh? Then I tasted and I saw that the Lord was good. See, my, my appetite's been changed. Come on. See, I thought I had it, and I had trash. I was eating out of a trash can. I was a homeless orphan who was away from my father, and I've been saved and redeemed and forgiven. Anybody with me? I've sat down at the father's table, and he put a new robe on me and changed my life and cleaned me up, and now I know what it's like in the father's house. And you can go back and try and say, I'm, I'm tired. I'm giving up. Somebody hurt me. Somebody affected me. I saw a hypocrite in church. I saw this happen. I don't have an answer. I ask why, and I didn't get an answer. I'm going to go back. And you know what you're going to do when you go back? You're going to go back just like Peter did. And Jesus is going to say, what's it like out there? And you're going to have to say, there's nothing out here anymore. So maybe today 
You want to be honest and say, I'm tired of nothing. I want to come back. I'm tired of losing. I want to come back. I'm tired of frustration. I want to come back. I'm tired of bitterness and blaming. I want to come back. Jesus said, throw your net on the other side. And Peter goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I remember that. And their net filled up. And you know how Peter is. Everybody else started to roll back. Peter said, that's Jesus, buddy. I'm swimming back. So he, you know. There's one thing about Peter. Man, he had a lot of failures, but that dude had some bounce backs, didn't he? He had some rebounds. And Jesus said, Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to rebound. You gave up on yourself, but I never gave up on you. Let's get this thing back on track. Let's make this thing right. Let's restore you to the man I created you to be in the first place. Let's, let's lay this stuff down. I will look past your failure. I want you to humble yourself. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. Peter, I want to hear you. I'll forgive you. I'll heal you. Come on, let's get this thing going again. Life is not about perfect situations and easy moments where everything happens just the way we want it to happen. There are going to be some rough times. There's going to be some times you shoot and you know what? You just miss. Even on this janky little goal, it can't stay straight. You're just going to miss sometimes. It's just not going to work sometimes. You're going to be thinking you're fine, and boom, you hit the bottom really hard. You're going to be looking at other people, and boom, they're going to, they're going to fail you. You're going to be looking at others, and bang, you're going to go down. But here's what I found when you put your hands in God. You know what? The harder I fall, the higher I come back when I rebound in the hands of God. He's a faithful God. He wants to walk into this moment in your life right now. I want Pastor Joey to come, and I want us to pray together today as we are here this morning. I want you to realize that God is faithful, that He's faithful to give you another opportunity. He's faithful to bring another chance in your life. You know, like Bethany Hamilton, you make choices. Like Horatio Spafford, you make choices. You say, you know what? This isn't going the way I wanted it to. I never dreamed that this would happen. But I want to make a statement of faith to you, God, it's well with my soul. I want to make a statement of faith to you today, God. And I want to say to you today that although life is not feeling good right now, although I don't have an answer for why I'm in this place, God, I want you to know I'm going to trust you. I'm going to say it's well with my soul. I want to say before God, I want to be a man of faith. I want to be a woman of faith. I want to set an example. It's not over. I'm still alive. I've got a little bounce left in me. I want to give God this moment. You know, as your heads are bowed, would you do that and just create an altar right where you are? Right where you are. Create a moment in your life between you and God. I know we're in a room with a lot of people, and those of you at home watching with uh, and, and other places on Facebook Live and live stream, right where you are, create your moment. Build your altar right where you are. Determine that I'm going to rebound. I'm going to bounce back. I'm going to come back. I'm going to seize this opportunity in my life. Maybe like Joseph, other people's failures knocked you away from your dream and your purpose. But today you say, you know what? God's greater than the failure of family and trusted people. And I'm going to come back. I'm going to rise up again. I'm, I'm, I'm going to grab that rebound and go. Maybe today your life's been somewhat like Peter and you've made big promises you couldn't keep. 
Somebody says it like this, your mouth wrote a check that your actions couldn't cash. And sometimes guilt and shame and embarrassment keep us from that turn to God that will let me bounce back and come back. Such an important time, such an incredible opportunity. Today you're here and you say, Pastor, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm tired of being at this low place. I'm ready to rebound. I'm ready to grab it. I'm ready to get back in the game. I want another opportunity. And I I believe God's going to give that to me today. So I'm going to let you just stay right where you are. But I'm going to ask you to make a response to God. If you don't need to rebound today, somebody here probably does. Would you just be praying for your friends that are here with you, your family, your church family? You'd say today, Pastor... You know, I need to rebound from the wounds of other people. I've, I've lost traction. I've, I've been knocked down and almost given up because of what other people have done. And today, I'm going to rise up in the name of the Lord. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to come back. I'm going to rebound. Would you just raise your hand right where you are and say, today's my rebound day. Other people have knocked me down. I'm not going to ask you to leave your seat. or move. I've been knocked down by the actions of other people. Pastor, I need to rebound. I need to rebound. Anyone else? I want to say that's me today. I need to get up. I need to stand up. Thank you. Thank you. I need to get up. I've got to get up. I can't stay down like this. What about this? This one's even a little tougher, but there is even greater freedom because you you are completely responsible for yourself. And your choices can turn your life around 180 degrees. Say, Pastor, I've made some mistakes. I've done some things that are wrong. I don't want to cover it. I don't want to hide it. I don't want to excuse it. Today, I need to bounce back. I need to stand up. I need to rebound in my life. I need to surrender to the Lord. Like Abraham, I'm going to come back to the altar right where I am before me and God. Say, God, here's my life. Would, would you raise your hand and say, I, I need to rebound today. Just between you, me, and God. See, I need to rebound. I've made some mistakes and failures. I want to change my life. I want to change the pattern. I want to stop going this direction. Are, is your life headed in a good direction or a bad direction? Are you moving in the right place or the wrong place? It'll never be better. It'll never get better until you turn, until you go in a different direction. See, a rebound means the ball is going one direction, and you grab it going another. Who else would say to me today, Pastor, I need to make a change. I need to make a change. I need a rebound.